Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. We're taking a quick break from our parable series for Palm Sunday, and so I want to have a speak on a slightly different message today, but just in the run-up to this coming weekend. I want to leave a deposit in your life today from God's Word that hopefully you'll meditate on this week. And so Holy Week begins today. And if you don't know what Holy Week is, Holy Week follows the course of Jesus' life from the days when he arrived in Jerusalem, okay, and those days in the run-up to his betrayal, his trial, his crucifixion, and that's what Holy Week takes us up until Easter where we celebrate his resurrection. But it starts off with Jesus arriving in Jerusalem. And um, I believe that today's message is going to speak to us as a church in a few areas, but the area I'm homing in on today is sacrifice. That's the area I'm homing in on today. And if we think about Holy Week, we think about the contrast between the beginning of the week and the end of the week, you couldn't get two more different places. It's so polar opposite. Jesus coming into Jerusalem, being, being lauded and being celebrated, and then at the end of the week, he's being put to death. All in the space of a few days. Amen. He enters Jerusalem if you're familiar with the story, on a colt, on a donkey. But he's going into Jerusalem with all of the knowing that the time of his final sacrifice is near. He, he knows that the final sacrifice is close at hand. And he goes in and he celebrated. The Passover crowds are there in Jerusalem. He's celebrated by them. And we hear the word Hosanna for the first time in the New Testament. You see it in Psalms and other places. And Hosanna, which um, has two different meanings, but in one context means save us. Please save us. And um, so he enters into Hosanna to the son of David. So these Passover crowds welcome him in. Here's the son of David. And they, 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 they recognize who he is. Not everyone did. But they were there acknowledging him, hailing him as king. And, um, you know, the Jews to this day, they don't believe that the Messiah has come. But here was the Messiah. And I'm going to go into that a little bit just now. But the Messiah is one who saves. And God's plan is still to this day, God's plan is Jesus to save people's souls, to save the people of this planet. Amen? It's only Jesus that can offer life and life more abundantly. No one else. And there's one thing in the Gospels as you, as you look at Jesus' life and all th- through his word, even in the Old Testament, predicting and prophesying that Jesus was coming. God didn't want anyone to have a case of, you know, oh, mistaken identity. God wanted people to know that this is my son. 
You know, he wasn't leaving. You know, Jesus didn't go in there thinking, do you know what, um, there's not enough not enough has been foretold. Not e- there's not enough. Not, they, they might just not really believe who I am. There was enough there. God, God wanted everyone to know who Jesus was. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. And that's one of the biggest battles that we wage as people. People attacking your identity. The enemy, the devil attacking your identity. People being influenced by others and becoming someone who they're really not. Amen? People trying to tell you who you are. You'll grow up just to be like your dad. You'll grow up just like this. You'll never amount to anything. All of it is wrapped up in identity. And if we want to know who we truly are, all we need to do is go to God's word. And he tells us who we are. Tells us what our identity is. And he starts from the physical and he goes all the way through to the spiritual. He doesn't miss anything. We know who we are physically and we know who we are spiritually. God tells us who we are. Amen. And I think the Holy Spirit must get frustrated. He's been frustrated with me before and probably still gets frustrated when I forget my identity. But I've no, I, I have never had any doubts about who Jesus is myself. Never had a, a single doubt. Even when I was, I've been angry with God, I've never once doubted that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. Amen. But haven't you heard the argument these days, which is quite common? Well, was Jesus really the Son of God? It was, it, was Jesus really the Son? How, how do you know that he was the Son of God? Because... You know, the Bible says, well, some people say he was just a prophet or a biblical character or, you know, we we used to sing a song. Some people say he was just a good man. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that he's God's son. Amen. And the people that were welcoming him into Jerusalem at the beginning of the week, I believe they certainly knew something different to the folks that were were, um, putting him on trial and putting him to death on the cross at the end of the week. A few of them may even have been the same people. I don't know if their minds changed. Because a lot happened in that week. But God's timing is perfect, isn't it? It's Passover and who comes into the city? The Passover lamb. The perfect sacrifice. Eh? Just as the people are preparing their sacrificial lambs, the lamb of God enters the city. And begins to stir things up. And you can imagine the Pharisees and the religious people saying, Oh my, this is all we need. It's Passover. We don't need someone to be kicking about claiming he's the son of God. <laughs> you know, it's, and causing an uproar and, and saying this. And it's like, do you know what? We've got enough going on. This is the biggest feast of the year. And here, here comes Jesus into the city. He'd already performed a miracle. He'd already told his, his guys to go and get this donkey. And he seemed miraculously to know where it was. And it was another miracle that the owner of the donkey said, there you go, you can take it. Everything was just, everything was just in God's perfect plan. Amen. And the word says that these people were indignant with him. They were in, these religious people were indignant against Jesus. 
And I think in the, in the last days, in the end times, the Bible says that many people will claim to be God. There'll be people claiming all sorts of things, to be prophets and all sorts of things. And the Bible says, don't go, you know, you'll hear something over there and you'll say, oh, look over there, that must be, that must be our Savior. And people will run to the left and to the right. But God says, you've got to keep your eyes fixed and focused on me and moved by my spirit. I think the religious people, there's a message in here for the church this morning. I think the religious people's insecurity levels went sky high when Jesus came into town. Amen. Who does he think he is taking all the focus off of us? This is our big moment. We lead the people. We do the Passover thing. And then Jesus comes in. And they probably felt sidelined by all the furore that was going on. And the word says that their anger was aroused against Jesus. They were getting really, really angry with Jesus. Amen. But there's no doubt in my mind it was Jesus. It was Jesus who went into Jerusalem that day. The signposts were all there. The fulfillment of prophecy had already begun. And Jesus was the one who was prepared and who God planned for to die for you and for me, to save us. Amen. You know that with the exception of the future and what's still to come, Jesus fulfilled more than 300 prophecies. Do you know what the probability of that is? It's absolutely staggering. And I want to just go through a quick list of some things that was prophesied about Jesus going back to Isaiah, Zechariah, Psalms. He was hated without a cause. Hang on a second. And by the way, you could probably mark these down. Oh, that's happened to me. Hated without a cause, rejected by men and mocked, betrayed by a close friend, sold for 30 pieces of silver, falsely accused. Is there anyone here who can't put their hand up to that? silent in front of his accusers, crucified with criminals, pierced on the cross, his hands and his feet. None of his bones were broken. His side was pierced and his clothing would be gambled over and he was given a horrible gall to drink and darkness would come over the land and he was buried in a rich man's tomb. All of that came true. All of that came true. What are the odds of all of that coming true for one man? And the odds that it would happen for just eight prophecies that he was born in Bethlehem, that John the Baptist would come before him, that he would come to Jerusalem on a donkey, betrayed by a friend, sold for 30 pieces. The pieces of silver would be used to buy a field he would stay quiet during his trial and crucified eight times. The, the, for the probability of that to happen is like you taking a 50 pence piece, writing your name on it, and laying 50 pence pieces across Scotland, putting a blindfold on and going and picking up your 50 pence piece. The probability is, is enormous. The, the, the odds are enormous against that happening. But Jesus fulfilled all of that. The odds of you being struck by lightning once in your lifetime is 1 to 250,000. The odds of you being struck by lightning in one given day is 1 in 9,100. 
So I, I was surprised to hear this. But these are the, the kind of odds. And he fulfilled all those prophecies. He is the Son of God. Jesus is our Savior. Amen. So, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing at all that I can say, do you know what, there's one, that, that gives me a one seed of doubt, nothing at all in the word that would cause me to believe that. And besides the fact, he saved me from horrible accidents and horrible stuff. Someone had to do it, and he did it. I've, I've felt, I've known his saving power. Amen. And so, God said he's going to die for us because we fell away from God, turned our backs on him as people. And it was that cross and the resurrection that changed everything. Amen. And God was able to do, to do this because Jesus wasn't under the curse of Adam. He was perfect. Jesus never disobeyed his father God. And if you don't disobey your father God, you don't deserve death. So he didn't deserve it, yet he went to the cross. This is the, power, this is the mystery of the cross. This is the victory of the cross. We can't get our heads around it. He didn't deserve to die because he was never disobedient. He was totally without sin, yet he went to the cross. Amen? So I want to read a few scriptures quickly. Hebrews 9.26. He has appeared once for all, at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. As people are destined to die once and after that face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once only, once only church, just one time. The word says, don't go nailing Jesus to a cross every single day. He died once. And I know that I've done that. I've I've gone back to the cross as if to nail him back to the cross so many times. Not accepting the fact that you did it once for me and that took care of it. So why do I I'm constantly need this reassurance? And he says, no, David, I, I, I died for you. It was one time. Now you have to have faith. You have to believe that actually happened. And I do. Amen. Do you? Yes. Amen. Amen. So he came to bring salvation. Ephesians 5 verse 2. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So here we start looking at the sacrificial element of Christ's life. 1 John chapter 2 verse 2. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know, God wants to, if you're online today or if you're sitting in this place, God wants to give everyone the gift of everlasting life. Amen? And he's made his intentions clear. He wants everyone to have the gift of immortality, eternal life. Amen? So, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen? And the one we know the best, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 
So you, when you think about all that, you think, you know, what questions can we possibly have? What questions would people out there want to know? And I think a lot of people say, is there life after death? Do I want, can I live or do I want to live beyond my physical death? I think some people are in such broken places, they, they want to, and I know this is getting heavy this morning, but they, and we know, they would take their own life, they would want to end life, to end it all so that they stop, so that the hurt and the pain just stops. People want to know what's going to happen. And it's our job to tell them that you can have everlasting life. And that the hurt and the pain and the suffering stops when you die. Because the Bible says we will have tribulation on this earth. But then we go on. But you know what? He gives us strength. Do we believe that there's people out there that want to know the answers to those questions? Amen. So I would like us all to meditate on the cross this week. Read, go to any of the Gospels and begin to read from the triumphal entry and dwell on the, on the cross and the victory of the cross. Pick up your Bibles this week. Begin to read those chapters and go on the road to Calvary in your Bible. Amen. And I believe the longer we dwell on the cross and the, the power of the cross, the more we'll be formed into people of power. Yeah. Amen. Do you, do you believe God wants to transform you into someone powerful? Yeah. Not powerful, arrogant powerful. Not powerful, abusive powerful. But powerful because you have the spirit of the living God on your side. Yeah. Powerful in a way that no one else can really understand. To have influence not to pad, your, pad our own nest, but to influence people to turn their lives around out of darkness and to bring them into life. Amen? Because the cross is power. Amen? You know, you know the Apostle Paul, he could have taught on so many things, but you know what it all came down to for him? The cross. He says, you know what? I could teach all sorts of things, but the only thing I'm going to tell you about is the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, brethren, when I came to you, did I, not, I did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. I've been with you in weakness and fear and in trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with words of human wisdom but they were in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in man's wisdom, but be in the wisdom of God and in the power of God. Amen. Amen. Wisdom. You know, some people would say, well, if Jesus, if Jesus was so wise, why did, how did he end up on a cross? Wise people are usually quite good of, of, at delivering themselves, aren't they? Wise people make the right decisions so that they, they don't come to any harm and all of this kind of thing. I've just been pondering that this week, sorry. It's just my musings. Why, wise people. Most people think if you're a wise person, you're going to make all the right moves, aren't you? 
But what I came to the conclusion was wise people really actually understand what sacrifice is. And they know what has to be sacrificed. That's, that's godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is knowing when and what to give up. Amen. John 12, 25 says, he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it forever. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, this is Jesus' words, him my father will honor. Amen. So when, people, when, when the word says, take up your cross, it's asking us what, what our sacrifice will be. It's asking us, I believe, are you prepared to sacrifice anything? You know, the Jew, this weekend is Passover. Passover begins at the end of the week. They are not celebrating Easter. They're celebrating Passover because they don't believe that Jesus was the, the sacrifice. Do you know what the Passover was? That's when that angel of death passed over the slaves that, that God's people in bondage trapped in Egypt. The, and, and that's what the Passover was. The blood on the doorpost meant that, that they missed that. Amen? And so how is the blood and the cross made victory possible for us to escape death by sacrifice? So that everyone's getting ready to sacrifice animals, but Jesus sacrifices himself. Amen. I want to give you four or five quick points on sacrifice before we close. And here is what sacrifice will do for you. Sacrifice defeats you, the accuser in your life. Revelation 12. I heard a loud voice saying, salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives. They didn't love their lives unto the death. That is speaking so much of sacrifice. And what is it, does it say the sacrifice produced, the accuser was cast down. So sacrifice takes care of the accusations that come against you in your life. Because sometimes we want to take care of the accuser in every other way, but not by sacrifice. We don't want anything, we don't want to give up any of our ways or our thought patterns or our paradigms. We just want God to take care of the accuser. Sacrifice is involved in defeating the accuser. And what else does it say? The word of your testimony, you must speak. Yeah. The, a silent Christian is a powerless Christian. You must speak. What did, when, Debbie, when you gave your life to Christ, did you repeat words after me? Did you say that prayer? You spoke it. You must speak. Amen? Because what you speak is evidence of what's in your heart. So you must speak. You don't walk around with your mouth shut. You must speak. Amen? We overcome the accuser by not loving our lives more than we love God. 
We love God more than we love our lives. This is how we defeat the accuser. So sacrifice will give you an upper hand over the devil. It will give you an upper hand over your enemy. Sacrifice is a weapon. It's a weapon of war, spiritual warfare. Sacrifice in the spirit realm is a weapon. But it's always the thing that we last go to. We never go. How often do we go straight to sacrifice? I want to say this this morning, and I, and I think this will, fall into, this will fall into someone's heart this morning, and it will actually turn things around in your life. Sacrifice may just be the thing that will deliver you from the greatest crisis that you're facing in your life right now. There's people who for years have been asking, how do I change? The answer is sacrifice. I believe that the biggest crisis is that you face in your life. Sacrifice will change that. Number two, sacrifice is the key to nailing your enemy to a cross. To disable your enemy. Amen? Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 in the New Living Translation says, When you came to Jesus, you were circumcised, but not physically Christ performed a spiritual circumcision and he cut away your sinful nature because you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and you were raised to new life because you trusted the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. You were dead because of your sins. We were all dead in sin, hey. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ. And he forgave all of our sins, praise the, praise the Lord. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed, in this way, he took the ammunition, the weapons of the spiritual rulers and authorities of darkness and wickedness and everything that's against you, and he shamed them in public by his victory on the cross. A Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, public shaming for your enemy. You know what? When blessing someone is a sacrifice, the word says, bless, your, bless those who curse you and despitefully use you. Pray for them. Bless those people that abuse you, for in so doing you heap coals of fire upon their head. The more you bless them, the more God will deal with the situation. The more you bless them, the hotter your heat is going, the heat of your enemies is going to get. I think I've had some heat on my head. But I mean that, you know what? Because it, it's, it's, the law of, it's the law of reciprocity, sowing and reaping. Bless them. Bless them. So sacrifice nails your enemy to the cross. The cross disables your enemy. Sacrifice spoils the principalities and powers that come against you. Whatever has come against you. And I know that people will say, David, you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know how much I've been through. You don't know how. I, and you know what? I'm going to stand and I'll say I don't. But Jesus does. I don't know the half of what you've been through. But I know Jesus does. And I might not be able to identify with your suffering and your pain. But Jesus can. 
So whatever is against you, Jesus, his sacrifice has wiped out all of that evidence that they're bringing to accuse you with, all the lies, all the no good talk, even the abuse, and even our own sin that happens through our own foolishness, hands up, foolishness that would have taken us to hell because of the cross and Jesus' sacrifice, we've been set free. Number three, a sacrifice is the key to overcoming a pressing enemy in your life. How, how often, have you, if does anyone here, it, that will just not go away, keeps on pressing in on every side, keeps on, it's always there. This person, this situation, or this spiritual battle that I'm in is always there. Sacrifice is the key to overcoming that. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Sacrifice, praise, fasting, fasting, prayer. Is it a sacrifice to get up early in the morning and pray? For some of us, it is. I'm so envious of, the, of these, these larks that get up at four in the morning. No! Yeah, I'm like, some of us are more, you know, late evening, but, you know, but even, even, you know what, this, this happens, if it happens to you, don't ignore it, but I went through a season, still happens sometimes, for some reason, 3 a.m., thereabouts, 3 to 3.30 a.m., thoughts, dreams, and I've said many times, Disturbed Linda by getting up and going downstairs, putting the kettle on, having a cup of green tea, getting the Bible out, and working through things that the Spirit is laying in my heart. Don't go to bed without a notepad and a pencil next to you. So much happens in those, in, in those night watches. Keep, be vigilant. Stay aware. Amen. Number four, a sacrifice breaks the stalemate that you face in life. Have you ever been in a stalemate? A sacrifice will break that stalemate. An example of a stalemate, Moses, Pharaoh, big stalemate. I'm not letting you go. You're all staying here. Okay. God started releasing plagues. Yeah? God started releasing plagues. There was a stalemate. Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. And the most crucial thing about that is he didn't want them to go with their sacrifices. Pharaoh wanted to keep their ability to sacrifice in Egypt. Because how did they, how did, how did they atone? How did they make right with God? Their animals. Their, their, the first fruits of their produce. That's how they kept right. Where they didn't have Jesus, it, it was that's how they did it. Until eventually, they sacrificed the Passover lamb, which protected them. And the firstborn of all of Egypt, they were killed. And Pharaoh relented and said, Go, get out of here 
and take all of your cows and goats and sheep and all your stuff. In fact, they even gave them stuff of their own wealth and said, go. But there was a stalemate until the 10th plague, that death of the firstborn. Amen. And finally, and I believe this, dwell on this one, sacrifice releases great anointing in the lives of others. Sacrifices releases anointing on other people's lives. Jesus' sacrifice means that we are kings and priests, that we, we can be anointed to be the beautiful feet that bring the good news of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Don't look at your feet. <laughs> but your feet are beautiful. And this is the, my last scripture today in Acts 4.31. As soon as they were free, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, is that name familiar? The governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. It was all God's plan. Sometimes we try and change God's plan. It's like stay in the will of God no matter where it takes you, stay in his will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed that prayer, the room where they were was shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it said, the Bible says that then... Not before, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, then they preached the word of God with boldness. Amen. So all of these timid, disillusioned disciples and people, followers of Jesus, change into these bold, fearless preachers. Amen. And, and I was having a funny chat with Melania this morning here because we were talking about the Easter story. And uh, she said that they, Jesus, they took him to a cave. I said, yeah, that was the tomb. He was there and he was raised from the dead. And we were having a talk and I was telling her about what she could do, that she could one day, she says, how do I get on the stage? I said, well, I said, if you, you could learn to play the piano or the bass guitar or the drums or the guitar, or maybe you've got a beautiful voice. I said, or maybe you're going to be a preacher. Maybe you're going to be a great preacher. And you're, going, and you're going to preach God's word 
all over the place, all over the world. Maybe not on this stage. Amen. And so, God, the anointing, the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. The, the, these, these people all became totally empowered by the Holy Spirit. They became, they became confrontational people. They didn't, we call them saints. They were saints. But they were bold. Yeah. And they said, the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. So there is a, you know, it's like my dad sometimes says, it's not a bed of roses. Your faith in your life in Christ is not always a bed of roses. Sometimes we need to get righteously uppity, <laughs> forceful, amen? And so don't forget that they, these men are all telling the stories of what happened on that cross. Jesus' sacrifice was, gave them the ability to receive the Holy Spirit and be anointed. Amen? So your sacrifice releases great anointing into the lives of others. Deciding to leave home, to, deciding to leave your mom and dad and go to another country. Your sacrifice, what you give up here, could anoint somebody, some other child or a teenager or an adult in another part of the world. What you give up is going to impact somebody else. Amen? And you know what? When you have that, when you've sacrificed, there's one thing I know that I can assure you of and I can guarantee you of it. You will have God's presence surround you and be with you every day. You know, sometimes I've wondered, God, I don't, I don't doubt that you're true, you're real, you're in my life. But sometimes I felt that he's not near. He's far. And sometimes I felt that and he's proved me wrong because I've got myself into difficult scrapes and he's redeemed me. I'm sure he's done that for everybody here in this place. Because Hebrews 4.16 says, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Amen. So sacrifice just releases anointing. Amen. And it will increase your anointing as well, but it does. It impacts the lives of others. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.